It's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Continuing on here on a Wednesday evening, my name is Matt Pauley. One hour down, one more to go. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, and make sure that it's actually me that you're tweeting at and not somebody else. Uh, coming up this hour, we're going to talk some NHL hockey with uh, Dan Rosen. He's going to join us at uh, 745, 750-ish as we uh, do wrap up the program with him. We'll talk some Missouri football coming up uh, later on this hour as well. But want to get into the Cardinals. Uh, they make a small move today. And more than anything else, they're just kind of increasing the competition for a utility role during uh, spring training. They have acquired from Cleveland for uh, cash considerations an infielder by the name of Jose Firmin. Uh, He is somebody who uh, was considered the top defensive infielder in Cleveland's organization in 2019. That's according to the Baseball America number. So he's a glove first player this past year at AAA Columbus, hit 215, had six home runs, 11 doubles, 31 RBIs in uh, 90 games. So, um, He's not going to do anything spectacular offensively. He might do something spectacular uh, defensively. He does have a good approach at the plate. Uh, He was able to uh, come up with uh, 42 walks, and he was also hit uh, by nine pitches. So his on-base percentage is at least respectable compared to a batting average that's not very good. Again, this is... This is more than this is a guy that you bring in and can compete for uh, a job, a, a utility infielder job uh, at spring training. And there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen uh, with this roster. He was set to become a minor league free agent. He was not going to be added to the Cleveland 40 man roster. So with that, he would have become a minor league free agent. So what the Cardinals did is by acquiring him again for the cash considerations, uh, they get in front of everybody else who might have wanted to sign him. And and they're able to hold on to him because they put him on the 40-man roster, something that Cleveland was not willing to do. So that's why this move is made. Uh, if he becomes a minor league free agent, he's free to sign with any organization and could have signed a minor league deal if nobody was going to offer him a 40-man deal. But he comes to the Cardinals. He's on the 40-man roster. Sometimes you make these kind of moves. You get somebody in the organization, and then uh, you move on from them at some point in the offseason because a move that you make. And you clear, you know, if you clear through waivers, a lot of times you know, they can stick in the organization and not even be on the 40-man roster. So there's even though he's on the 40-man right now on November 9th, there is no guarantee that he is going to be uh, as the season goes along, so, or as the offseason goes along is the way to, uh, to say that. Cardinals do have a number of uh, things to figure out here. Free agency officially opens up tomorrow. Conversations are already taking place. The way it works is you can have some initial conversations basically right now, but in terms of talking money and getting agreements in place and things like that, that can't actually start uh, until tomorrow. Uh, According to Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, Cardinals are not going to make any qualifying offers to any of their departing free agents. That certainly is not a shocker. There's nobody out there that you would have thought would have uh, gotten the uh, qualifier qualifying offer. Uh, They have to make the decision on their 10 players who are arbitration eligible uh, and whether or not they're going to tender them a contract. Uh, Really, the most likely player not to be tendered a contract would be uh, Alex Reyes. Maybe you still sign him up for uh, to sign him to a deal somehow uh, if if you can get something worked out. But that's 
there's no guarantee of that. You don't tender him a contract. There's a very good chance that he's going to end up uh, in another organization. It works out that way more often than not. Also thought it was interesting. So the GM meetings are going on right now in Las Vegas, and uh, Derek Gould is out there covering it, and he mentioned some people that the Cardinals have already had some initial conversations with. Uh, Christian Vasquez is a free agent catcher, and reportedly the Cardinals have already uh, met with his representation just to have kind of an introductory conversation. Uh, the belief is that uh, there's, they've also discussed uh, with the uh, representation for uh, Wilson Contreras. Contreras was offered the qualifying offer from the Cubs, so he has to uh, reject that, which he is fully expected to do, as he'll get a multi-year deal from uh, from some team out there. Maybe it's going to be the Cardinals. I don't think it's going to be the Cardinals. To be perfectly honest with you, um, he's a really good offensive player and his bat would play really well in the lineup. I just, I have a hard time believing that this organization and everything that they kind of believe in and stand for and the good line of, uh, of defensive catching that we have seen not beyond Yadier Molina going before he was even, uh, whether it was Mike Matheny, whether it was Tom Pagnazzi, like we could, we can go back. Like I just, I have a, I have a hard time believing that they're going to bring in a guy like Wilson Contreras, who is is clearly a bat first catcher and leave something to be desired uh, behind the plate. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they sit there and they look at the numbers and they look at the data and they look at Wilson Contreras and say, you know what, this guy, what he does with his bat is going to more, way more uh, than offset anything that we might lose as a result of his uh, defensive uh, miscues and defensive inefficiencies. Maybe that's maybe that's where they go on that, and that's certainly a possibility. I just I would be pretty surprised if Wilson Contreras ends up as a Cardinal. Also, according to uh, Derek Gould, there has at least been uh, conversations with the Oakland A's as they are continuing to entertain conversations about uh, Sean Murphy. I think if there's one guy that's maybe available on the market, Murphy is the guy who would probably be uh, the best fit. It's going to be expensive to get him. It's going to be very expensive to get him. But Murphy seems like the best possible fit from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint. Everything that he does, if there's a way for you to go get a Sean Murphy, that seems to make uh, sense. Gould also mentioned the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. They are expected to uh, trade at least one of their catchers. They have both uh, Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen, who possibly uh, could be moved Uh for Kirk, uh, you get uh, the two years of club control. Uh, Jansen, you don't have as much club control, so Kirk would be a little bit more expensive. Those are the names that have really uh, been mentioned. Uh, we had uh, we had Craig Mish on this program a week and a half, two weeks ago, is when um, Skip Schumacher was named the manager of the Marlins, and he mentioned Salvador Perez, which was a move I would be in favor of, but Seems like uh, the social media reaction to that was anything but positive. Most people seem to be against Salvador Perez. And also, there has been no reporting. There has been no indication that there has been any conversations happening uh, between uh, the Cardinals and the Royals. So the four, or I guess I should say the five, the five individuals that were mentioned uh, by Derek Gould today, 
Christian Vasquez in there, Wilson Contreras in there, Sean Murphy, and then the uh, two Toronto players in uh, Kirk and Jansen. Feels like there's a pretty good chance that one of those five players will end up as the uh, starting catcher for the Cardinals this upcoming season. 314-436-7900. That's how you get in contact with us if you'd like to uh, chat. That's what Judah has done. Hey, Judah, you're on Sports Open Line. Hey, how's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, there's no way in the world uh, that you can turn down Contreras. That's managerial malpractice. Uh, hey, Jude, I hate to do this to you, and if you want to call back, feel free, but your phone line was uh, was cutting out there, so... I am not. Uh, I am not turning off your take. Sometimes I get accused of that. I'm not. the uh, The phone was just a little bit off there. So if you want to call back, we can certainly uh, continue that conversation about uh, Wilson Contreras. Look, I get it. I get it. What he does from an offensive standpoint, that is a big bat right there in the middle of your order. But he's also not a fantastic defensive catcher, and there, there's a cost that goes along with that. If you If you sign a Wilson Contreras, he's going to help you win a lot of games. He's going to help you win a lot of games. But it's going to happen at some point in time where he's going to do something. There's going to be a mistake made. There's going to be a play that's not made behind the plate, and you're going to lose a game. And and as the person who hosts the postgame show and who hosts the extra inning show and takes calls from uh, from folks – I know what the what the narrative is going to be. I know what the what many people in this fan base are going to think uh, when that happens, and going to uh, complain about the fact that uh, you went to, you went with a guy who's offense first. Now I'm all, I'm all look. Let's be fair here. I'm the guy who's always saying don't bunt. I'm the guy that says bunting and, and doing other things like that don't help you in the long run, and they you don't score as many runs. And there's situations where. You look at it and you go, well, what would happen if you put a bunt down? We'll continue this conversation in a moment. 314-436-7900. What should the Cardinals be looking for as they uh, try to figure out who their uh, who their top catcher is going to be next season? That conversation continues in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. does it continue here on a Wednesday night on KMOX? The only time this week that we're going to be on at this time. We're done around 7 o'clock or so the next couple nights, including a special show on Friday as we're going to be uh, covering the uh, MLS expansion draft and the roster for uh, for City SC is going to come become much clearer with, uh, I believe it's five players who are going to be uh, selected coming up on... That's going to go quick, by the way. It's going to start at 6, and it's going to be over by 6.30. But right now, we're talking St. Louis Cardinals baseball, talking about the catcher's position. This is based off an article that uh, Derek Gould of uh, the Post-Dispatch and STL Today published today, saying the Cardinals have at least had initial conversations with the representatives of uh, free agent catcher Christian Vasquez. Also, the Cardinals uh, discussing the market for Wilson Contreras, and then the trade market out there, Sean Murphy, in addition to uh, a couple Toronto catchers in there as well, and Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. We got Judah back on the line. He called us a few moments ago, had a bad connection. Hopefully the connection is better. Hey, Judah, you're on Sports Open Line. Yeah, my, my apologies. I'm driving. There's a dead zone in my condo complex. No worries. You're, you are loud and clear right now. Hey, I, but I, again, I got to tell you, 
weigh the pros and the cons at the end of the day of everyone you mentioned. It's Contreras. The rookie, Toronto's not giving up rookie Arturk. So the the Jansen guy, they'll let him walk. The guy barely was he was barely over the Mendoza line all season. He, he he's expendable. We don't want him. I mean that's that's going from that's going from caviar to crap. Wilson Contreras in a Cardinals uniform, and the way the Cubs the way the Cubs broke that team up and stuck it to those guys. I mean he loved nothing more than than to win with us in that division. At the end of the day, we don't want Salvi. He's not leaving Kansas City. That's 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 pie in the sky. The option out there for us to win and win now, and and which one of these guys is going to be a defensive genius? I mean, which one of these guys is going to be perfect? None of them. I'm taking Contreras all day. And Mo, if you're listening, it's just managerial malpractice, brother. If you don't if you don't pull the trigger and you have the chance. All right, Judah, appreciate it. I think you know what honestly, I think Judah speaks for. I don't know if it's a majority, but I, I think it's a large percentage of Cardinals fans who really want to see Wilson Contreras. Sean Murphy is the better defensive catcher this past year playing for a bad Oakland team. He hit 250, had uh, had a slug of 426, had an OPS of 759, 18 home runs, 66 RBIs. Baseball Reference doing a, uh, a projection for his 2023 has him at a 238 average, 18 home runs, 62 RBIs, 735 OPS. So that's a, I mean, when you compare Sean Murphy to Yadier Molina's um, offensive numbers, Murphy is a big step up. Uh, comparing him to Wilson Contreras, um, it's. It's not as much of a step up, but Contreras would be the better offensive player, and Murphy is a little bit better defensively. Contreras, by the way, last year, his numbers hit 243, 22 home runs, 55 RBIs, an OPS of 815. His 2023 projection is 241, 19 home runs, 55 RBIs, and an OPS of of 768. You know what? That's not that. Let's see. Okay. So his 2023 projection is a 768 OPS. The Murphy 2023 projection is a 735 OPS. So that's not, that's not that different. And Murphy is better defensively. I think if you just look at those projections and if that's going to be what they're going to be next year, I think you can make the argument that Murphy makes more sense than a Wilson Contreras. Let's go to uh, Rob, who has given us a call. Hey, Rob, you're on Sports Open Line. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, in the history of the Cardinals, I mean, Mosellac doesn't lay out a nine-figure contract for just anybody. I mean, they're very mindful of their money, and I, I think that's good management. But they're going for a big stick. They're going for a home run hitter. And I don't know who that is, and I just want to know what your thoughts were. Who, If they're going to cut the big deal, if they've got the, the freedom in their budget now to do it, and also will, will we see the same pitching staff next year or or will there be a significant add-on there too? Thank yeah, you. You bet, Rob. Appreciate the phone call. So you're talking about a $100 million contract. There's going to be some guys out there who get $100-plus million deals this year, most notably uh, Aaron Judge. But uh, other players, top level players, I don't know if Jacob Degrom is going to get that. He's thirty five years old. He might. He might. You know, he probably. 
four years, one twenty, averaging out to about thirty million. Like that, that may be what what you get with De- Jacob Degrom, uh, Trey Turner. Maybe uh, there's been some rumblings about the Cardinals maybe being interested in Trey Turner. Uh, the the shortstop market. The, this is a year because you know Mason Wynn, and there are some questions about whether or not he's going to stay as a shortstop. There's always a possibility that Wynn ends up in the outfield. But if the Cardinals believe in Mason Wynn as the next top level shortstop in this organization, are you a little bit more careful this year and how much money you're going to spend at the shortstop position? There are a ton of shortstops who are available. Trey Turner is a free agent. Carlos Correa is a free agent. Xander Bogarts is a free agent. Dansby Swanson is a free agent. I mean, all four of those guys are top-level, all-star caliber shortstops. Do you wait to see if one of those guys falls to you? Do you wait to see if maybe uh, the three of them get signed and all of a sudden one of them who is trying to get a big-money deal you're getting close to spring training and they still haven't signed a deal and maybe you give them a a one-year deal that includes a player option or a one-year deal that has a club option with a with some sort of significant buyout in there if that becomes available close to spring training i guess that's a possibility but when i the, the four names that i just named um in in Turner and Correa and Bogarts and Swanson like i just I don't think any of those guys are going to be waiting that long to sign their deals. They're too good. And the other question mark here, and I've talked about this a lot, and I will continue to talk about it. I, I'm, I'm really, inc- I'm, I'm so curious about what the market is going to look like this year, and if it's going to be fast moving or slow moving. Because previous, so last year's off season doesn't count because they were counting down to the the lockout. So teams were a little bit more aggressive in some of their big needs prior to the lockout. The year before that, you're you're right in the middle of COVID, so that that's not really applicable. But then the the previous two or three off seasons before that were really slow, and salaries were being driven down. Salaries being driven down is a big reason that we had the extended time where they negotiated through a collective bargaining agreement. Players are trying to figure out ways to get owners to spend more money. Now, I don't know if you can really do anything to encourage free agent spending. Uh, you know, we can we can talk about the the salary floor. We can talk about. Um, raising the, the 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 tax threshold things like that but what can you really do like tomorrow is going to open up free agency major league baseball free agency is going to open up tomorrow and you know what that's going to sound like it's going to sound like this you're going to hear nothing you're going to hear nothing nba free agency opens my goodness it's crazy you got that legal tampering period, and then it just goes crazy to a certain extent the same way in the NFL. Now, the big difference is there's salary caps in those sports. So there's everybody, every player is trying to get theirs. Every player is trying to account for their piece of the pie before the pie's been eaten. Well, in baseball, if we're going to keep up with the stupid pie analogy, there's as many pies as you want. Nobody has to worry about uh, now, teams will be limited in how much they can spend or will spend. The teams will be limited in how willing they are to spend. That's the better way to say it. But you're, you're not really being truly limited by anything. 
And that results in a stare down, in a dance between players and teams as players wait. And sometimes, sometimes you mark it wrong. You know what? We've seen this happen a few times where the player turns down the qualifying offer and then ends up not even getting deals or a deal that is uh, worth what the qualifying offer was. And we've seen players sign one-year contracts, like after spring training has opened, after turning down the qualifying offer, where they end up making less money than what they were given in the qualifying offer. It's a gamble for some players to turn down the qualifying offer. It's not, it's not always an easy decision, and we do on occasion see players accept the qualifying offer. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, the question was, what player out there would the Cardinals give a contract that has a value of more than $100 million. And also the sec- second part of his question was about the pitching staff. Well, I would I would actually bring those things together. I, I do want to see the Cardinals find a way to get a, a top-level pitcher. The, the, the starting pitching depth for the Cardinals is really good. It's really good. you got a ton of guys who can give you a chance to win every single night. And during a 162-game regular season, you know what? That's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to win games with those guys. But you do need, I think we're learning each year more and more, you do need that high-level pitching to win in the postseason. And it's really important to have an ace-level, all-star caliber one and two. And that's not something that the Cardinals had this past year. You know, when, not to completely repeat, so again, where, where I'm going to is Carlos Rodon. 30-year-old, lefty, um, maybe he's a name out there. You, you go get him. Does, does, is he worth a contract that has a total value of over $100 million? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know how much they're going to be in. That's the other question. Like you have, you have so much pitching depth. Do you question what kind of move you're going to make in the free agency where maybe instead you try to make that move via trade and then you can also, in addition to maybe giving up some prospects or something, you can also trade off of your major league roster as well because you don't want to just, when you've got that much starting pitching, you don't want to get to a point where you're forced to just move on from one of those guys for basically nothing. So to trade for a pitcher, to me, kind of makes more sense because you've got some you've got some depth in there, you've got some kind of capital in there, player capital in there, uh, that if you sign somebody... You might not be able to get anything for them, and that could uh, that could turn into a little bit of a problem. So I don't know if that answered the uh, question or not, but that's kind of the overall breakdown of where this team is at, uh, certainly going into the offseason. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's the number to call. That is the number to uh, text. Uh, by the way, got a text message. Projections don't mean squat, dude. Everybody's got pro- – like. We look at players and we try to project what they're going to do next year. Projections do mean something. Everybody looks, uh, I'm going to go sign a guy who played at single A last year and I'm going to give him the uh, starting shortstop job because projections don't mean anything. Of course they do. Projections are based off previous results. Projections mean a lot. So, yeah, projections do mean something. Dude, it's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City! KMOX. 
Sports Open Line continuing on. Have about uh, 25 minutes left in the program. In about 10 minutes, we are uh, set to be joined uh, by, uh, we're going to talk NHL hockey with Dan Rosen, senior writer for uh, NHL.com. So he's going to be joining us in just a few moments. Wanted to mention this. The Post-Dispatch put in an open records request for the terms of the new contract for Missouri football coach Eli Drinkwitz. And this is just a... This is another example of how just college athletics and where they're at right now and the things you have to do as an athletic department and as a university. We can all agree that Missouri is having a disappointing season. Their best win of the year was when they went to South Carolina, and that was a game where they really played well. Um, Maybe their second best played game this year was when they almost upset Georgia. But there's been disappointment. They're sitting with four wins. They have Tennessee, New Mexico State, and Arkansas left on the schedule. Uh, playing in Knoxville seems like a likely loss. Home against New Mexico State, a likely win. So they'll be at home against Arkansas on November 25th, likely to be playing for bowl eligibility. This is not the way the Tigers fans were hoping that the season was going to go down. Despite all of that, Eli Drinkwitz receives a contract extension. And I know a lot of people out there were kind of shaking their head and trying to figure out why he would be given a contract extension. Now, you are, as an athletic department and as a university, when you have a football coach who you are committed to or even a football coach who you think you might be committed to, you have to keep them locked in. And there have been some signs for Missouri. They are recruiting at a high level. That is something that they really have not done during the SEC era of Tigers football, uh, at least not since the very early part of their SEC era. But you could maybe even make the argument that ever, and this is their best recruiting that they've had in a long time. It's, it is hard as a football coach to go recruit when other coaches out there can negatively recruit somebody and say, well, you don't want to go to Missouri because they're going to be looking for a new coach in a year or two anyways. So having a contract extension is largely about recruiting and just making sure that you don't have a coach that in any way, shape, or form looks like a lame duck. Getting a contract extension sometimes is connected to success, but other times it's just connected to, you know what, we think this guy might work out, we're going to give him every opportunity to work out, and in many ways, uh, that's what this feels like. Now, he does get a significant raise. His uh, salary is going to increase from $4 million this year to $6 million next year, and according to this open records request that the Post-Dispatch put in for, uh, it's going to continue to go up on a year-by-year basis, and eventually it's going to get to $7 million in the final season. That's going to make him the highest paid coach in the history of Missouri. To put that in uh, perspective, Gary Pinkle, who was as successful as just about anybody in recent history, uh, was making just over $4 million when he retired at the end of the 2015 season. So Drinkwitz is making a lot more money than that uh, with this uh, with this contract that he signed. His original six-year deal has been extended for two more years through the 2026 season. This is despite the fact that he is below 500 all time at Missouri. Now, what a lot of people wonder about is the buyout. 
That's and from each side, the buyout on if you do want to move on from them, if if a year from now they're in the exact same situation where it's the middle of November and you're not sure if they're going to get bull eligible, uh, what is it going to cost to move on from them? And also, if he gets things really rolling and then he ends up leaving for another job, what is that going to look like? Well, here's the details on the buyout. Uh, if Missouri fires him, they have to pay him a $6 million just lump sum, and then they have to pay him 75% of what's remaining on his contract. So that's that's a lot of money. That is, that's, a, that's a lot of money, especially if they're going to make a move uh, in the next year or two. So that tells them they're at least committed to him uh, in the near term. At the same time, you always have boosters. If, if the boosters want to coach out, he's out and they pay for it, and that's just the way it goes. Now, if he does leave... This buyout is fully mitigated. What that means is his buyout is offset dollar for dollar based off his new salary. Um, Only four other SEC head coaches, according to the Post-Dispatch, have contracts that are fully mitigated with uh, offset language. So if he goes to another place, Missouri is going to get a lot of money in that buyout for him to go somewhere else. And again, that's money that would end up being uh, spent by boosters at whatever school he happens to uh, to go to. So those are the details on what it looks like for um, for, for Eli Drinkwitz. But he, he's making $6 million a year next year. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that from his perspective. Uh, nice to get a raise of $2 million from one year to the next. All right, we'll go back to talking uh, Blues hockey. They're trying to get things going. Dan Rosen is a senior writer for NHL.com. Uh, he will join us in just a moment as we start to uh, wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue. The St. Louis Blues, it has been a struggle for them after winning the first three games of the year. They have lost eight in a row. All eight of those losses have come in regulation. That's the first time in franchise history that they've ever lost eight straight with all losses uh, coming in regulation. It should also be mentioned they've lost every single one of those games by multiple goals. They're in the middle of playing five of six on the road, but they will be back at home tomorrow night for a matchup against the Sharks. We're very happy right now to uh, welcome in a senior writer for NHL.com. He also hosts uh, the Rink podcast, or the uh, At the Rink podcast, I should say. He is uh, Dan Rosen. Follow him on Twitter at D Rosen NHL. Dan, thank you so much for your time this evening. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing all right. What's we're trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the Blues here in St. Louis. So from a national perspective, when you look at this team that had fairly high expectations and see that they've lost all these games in a row by multiple goals, what's your take on this team? Well, there's a couple of things here that I think need to be pointed out, right? So if we just look at individuals, now Ryan O'Reilly has two goals and he has no assists. That's uncanny. Like that, that, that's in, uh, I would never, ever have bet on that being the case. And it's not that Ryan O'Reilly is like this, this big time, all, you know, all world scorer, but two goals and 
and and like no assists for a top centerman, that's pretty hard to believe. But worse yet, the minus twelve. So that's bad. Jordan Cairo, who lit it up last year. Jordan Cairo's got three goals, and he's a minus seventeen. Like that's he's been on the ice for like almost half the goals against. When you look at it that way, they have been outscored thirty-eight to twelve in this eight-game losing streak. That's minus 26. That's three goals a game. They've lost four times by three goals, twice, four times by four goals, and twice by three goals. So what's wrong? Well, I mean, everything is, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and, that, and that's the that's the problem. Is It's not just one thing you can pinpoint with St. Louis and say, well, if we fix this, we'll be all right. They're not defending. They're not defending hard. They're not generating offense. Um, they can't keep the puck out of the net. They're not getting saves. I mean, they're goaltenders. You're looking at neither one of them are above 900 on save percentage. Uh, both of them well above three in a goals against. So they're not getting saves. They're not getting the goalie to, to bail them out when you need it. And the calling card for the Blues since Craig Berube took over is they are one of the hardest teams to play against but they're quite easy to play against right now. And when you're easy to play against in the NHL, you're going to lose. That's, this is what's going to happen. Doug Armstrong has said Craig Berube's not going anywhere. He said that to the team. So the next thing that can happen, because Armstrong is not somebody who generally just kind of sits around, is moves to be made. It's still early on in the season. Do you see a scenario where we start seeing the Blues making some significant moves? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to because you know I mean look that is the the, the dreaded vote of confidence that, that right we've all seen it uh, in the coach and by no means am I going to sit here and say this is on Craig Berube right I mean it, he didn't become a bad coach overnight he didn't become a coach that couldn't lead this team to where it needs to go overnight it, it, it's just I want you you have to wonder if if you know, the message isn't getting through anymore. And that, that's what you hear about with coaching uh, coaches in the National Hockey League is, is the message getting through. I don't know. I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that long. You know, it, it was we're coming up on four years, I think, when, when the Blues fired Mike Yo and named Barubi the interim coach. That was November 19th, 2018. And what did they do? Well, they went on and won the Stanley Cup that year, right? So the the playbook is out, and we've seen it happen before where the St. Louis Blues are really, really struggling in the first quarter of the season, they make that coaching change and they take off. And it's a lot of the same pieces, not all the same pieces, but a lot of them. But I don't want that to happen because I think Baruby is a good coach. I mean, if, we were talking about this today on the, uh, the NHL After Ring podcast. And it's, you know, like, if you're not going to listen to Craig Baruby, who are you going to listen to? I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, that guy's terrifying if you're not going to listen to him, you know? And, and, he, and I see that with love because I, I, think, I think the world of Greg Berube. But, you know, like, how could his message not be getting through? I, I don't get that. And this is on the players, but uh, unfortunately in pro sports, when it's on the players, it can't be on all of them. So what happens is the coach goes. So Ryan O'Reilly talked after the game yesterday. And to his credit, like, he, he keeps saying, I'm, I'm playing horribly. But he also said... We know what the problem is, but we don't have the answer. And to me, I thought that was really damning that he said that because what, what do you do with that? If you don't know what the answer is to a problem that you know, like how in the world do you get out of this? You get out. It's a great point because that, that is a damning quote. Like, you know, we know what the issue is. We have no answer for it. That's like, wow, like what are we doing here? But 
it, this might sim- sound very, very simple and, and, and maybe even kind of, you know, a, a little, you know, yeah, it's simple. Let's just say simple. Go out tomorrow and get an elite goaltending performance. That's what they need. Honestly, that's what they need. They need an elite goaltending performance from Bennington or Thomas Bryce. My guess is it'll be Bennington against another last place team. The San Jose Sharks are a last place team. They have the same amount of wins as the Blues. They're three eight and three, and the Blues are three and eight. Right? They played three more games. They got they've lost in the shootout the last three games. The Sharks go out and get an elite goaltending performance because all of a sudden, when you when that happens, guys all of a sudden get a little bit taller. They start to play a little bit better. Uh, a lot of times in the NHL, when players are not believing that their goaltender is going to make the save, it really does impact their play. And I wonder if that's starting also to creep in because, as I mentioned before, they're not getting the save. It's not on the goalies. All I'm not saying it's all on the goalies, but they need an elite goaltending performance where a goalie, Bennington, stands up and says, guys, come on my back and we're going to fix this thing right now. And then I think you can make it roll a little bit. But if you can't get an elite goaltending performance, then even though the guys might be playing a strong game, it, it might not be enough as is. So it's hard, And it's hard to build on that. They need an elite goaltending performance. Last thing for Dan Rosen, as we have just a couple minutes left in the program, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, this Bruins situation with Mitchell Miller. Now it's being told that they can't just rescind the contract, so they got to figure out how to, how to work through that. It. Man, it feels like a lot of mistakes were made all over the place on this. Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's no question. What's most unfortunate, it is it's brought up um, for the victim. It's brought up a lot of yeah. uh, bad, bad memories, A, but you know now there's new stuff he's dealing with, new hate he's dealing with, unfortunately, as people jump on this. Um, that's the worst part about this whole thing. I think the contract situation, that'll get ironed out. Uh, the Bruins have been on record as admitting their mistake. Uh, look, I don't know how that it came to this to be this way, and I'm not going to pretend that you know I have all the information. I, I find it hard to believe that they didn't have the information they have now, but maybe they didn't. Whatever it might be, um, they're trying now to walk it back, and they're trying to start down the path of, of doing the right thing in this situation. But unfortunately, what has happened is the victim is being victimized again. And he's having to live through this all over again. And that is the absolute worst part about this. So uh, we can talk about the contract and what the Bruins have done and all that stuff. But my, my thoughts are really with, with uh, the victim in this situation and, and unfortunately him having to live through it again. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very good point, and that should be the thing that should be mentioned uh, first off. Uh, Dan Rosen, senior writer for NHL.com, also uh, co-hosting uh, the NHL at the Rink podcast. Dan, thanks so much for the time. Hopefully we can uh, catch up with you occasionally uh, during the course of the season. Yeah, sure, anytime. Uh, awesome. There's Dan Rosen joining us here on Sports Open Line, and we appreciate him uh, taking a, a few moments with us as we do start to uh, wrap things up on this edition of uh, Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Want to mention this. There's no way to like segue to this. I try to end the show with like a funny, stupid story on occasion. So again, no, no real easy way to do that. But I go to the gym today. I open up my gym bag. What did I do? I brought two separate gym shoes. They were not matching gym shoes. So I'm sitting there in the gym locker room, looking down at my bag with mismatched shoes, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And the first thought was, well, I'll just go home and I'll just 
get the matching shoe and that'll be better. However, I had my three-year-old daughter with me and I had just dropped her off for like a gymnastics class. So I wasn't going to go pull her out of her gymnastics class to, so I could go get a shoe. Um, I was not, I, Matt Pajeski, if you were in my situation, what would have you done? Would have you worn the mismatched shoes? Yeah, I would have just worked out in the, the mismatched shoes. I did not wear the mismatched shoes. Uh, here's what I was worried about. Like, if you ever talk to a chiropractor, they'll tell you, like, if, you have the, if you have your wallet in your back pocket, that you get totally screwed up because you're just like a little bit off. And I was so worried that if I worked out in mismatched shoes, that would like mess me up somehow. Uh, I just, I ended up working out in the shoes that I wore there, which were these old grungy shoes. I didn't like run on the treadmill or anything. I did an elliptical. So that was, that was my day. And I felt so, you, you feel like a complete idiot when you open up your gym bag and there it is, two mismatched shoes. And that was my day today. Um, yeah, and I was not happy about it, but we, we, we made it through. If that's my biggest problem, I don't have many problems in this world. That is it for uh, this edition of uh, Sports Open Line. Don't go anywhere. Brad Young's got you for uh, At Your Service. That starts after the news right here on KMOX.